We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thunder 2016, the February double bang game, the regular season game where Steph Curry hit the iconic 35 foot three. They say it's 32. There's no way on earth it's less than 35 feet. Um, that was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. That was the best playback that we've had so far. We've done three, and we do it every Wednesday. And uh, if you miss this one, uh, show up next Wednesday night uh, because we're doing this until the season starts and maybe still. That was the best one, Sam, because I felt like um, that was the the difference in what Steph looked like in 2016 versus now really, was, really showed. It was super stark, and I think that was what made that game feel so special and so different especially now that we're watching this in 2022. That's the number one thing I want to point out. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into news items and all the fun stuff. But, like, the number one thing that popped to me in watching that game was like, oh, Steph looks really skinny right now. Oh, he's, he's like, um, he's way quicker than he is right now, but, like, way, way less strong. Like, he just looks like a different player. Like, he looked like the – it's going to say corny. But I was like, he looked like the same player – but a different beast, but like the same, you know, like, you know, like the, the concept of like, he, he, uh, he's obviously this, the same skill set, but like, it's fun to watch him back then to see how much he's grown since then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. There's so many things that that we could talk about. Um, that game itself felt like a precursor to a lot of stuff that happened at the end of 2016 too. It's it's cool to go back in the time machine, Sam, because uh, you forget how much of the small stuff that happens during a game, but you also forget how much of the big season stuff happened uh, before that game. It's like I didn't, I forgot the Warriors were fifty two and five. I forgot they were only up like three games against the Spurs. Forgot that OKC was a great basketball team that season with a great record too. All of that context, and then you throw that all together, and we had was that not the best regular season game that we've seen? Uh, 
that it ended there. Like that was the best basketball regular season basketball game that we saw, and there hasn't been one that's better than that since that date. Not a yeah, single to me, one. To me, that the Warriors not winning the title that year ruined the NBA. It ruined regular season basketball because yeah. like that was event viewing. I remember exactly where I was when that game happened. I remember planning my day around it. I remember telling people I cannot be at dinner before 8 p.m. because the game was at 5.30 and 8. Let's be real. 5.30 tip, 8. Optimistic right. that it'll be somewhere at that time. But, like, conceptually, I was talking about the same thing, which was I got to watch this game before I go there. The Warriors were 52-5. and five. I didn't remember the exact number before we watched it, but I remember them being just event viewing the whole way through. And that's, like, the number one thing I kind of miss. And I don't miss it because, like, the Warriors, to me, are still event viewing. But, like, at that time, they were – it's like an NFL. Oh, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. I mean, it was – it was a religious experience. It was, you know, people came on and, and we kind of reminisced and maybe kind of had a little bit of a therapy session about what happened in 2016. But I, I feel sometimes where I don't know what you would change about that because as a Warriors fan, it did feel different for 82 games, man. Like those 73 wins meant something. It, it, just because they lost didn't mean like, we're going to sit here and never talk about that regular season again. It was objectively the greatest regular season, and they did it in a way that was super fun and entertaining. Every single game we saw, that was when everyone showed up to Steph's warm-ups, right? That was where everybody was cheering for Steph and imposing road teams. The Warriors were as big as I think any basketball team could be since Kobe Shaq, since MJ, right, and then before bigger, my time. Bigger, Bigger than that. You got to go. Yeah, you got to go back to MJ, in my opinion. Right. Like there's just there was nothing bigger than the Warriors in in, in sports. And I think that stuff matters when you look back as a Warriors fan, because you can't just, like four championships. Amazing. But then you look back and you look at this season and it's just as cool as those champions. Like it's just as cool because we lived it. You and I sat there. And like you said, right, you planned weekends around it. And back then, all we, did, you know, you probably partied more on weekends than you do now, right? So actually, no planning comment. around it is harder. So, so <laughs> it's a, it's a different feeling, man. It, that regular season was a different feeling. Yeah, it was awesome. A couple other callouts for that game um, before we move on to other topics is like just how young everyone looked. <laughs> it's always weird to me when you watch that stuff. Like I'm watching KD. I I begrudgingly am watching Westbrook. I'm being like, damn, he used to be a lot better uh, than he is now. And, um, you know, just in general, watching Steph and Clay. Clay, I don't think I ever gave enough credence for in that game, how good he was. Um, just because that game's so defined by Steph Curry. That game's defined by Steph hitting the shot and Mike Breen going bang, bang, you know, like the double bang. Like, you, you kind of forget that they kind of were depending on Clay to give them. 25 to 30 points to like the entire team was like, I need the two of you to get 70. And <laughs> in that game, it was, you know, Steph got 46 and clay got 32. And that's really what it was, you know, but it's like, sometimes you forget how big of a load clay had in the process too. Yep. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, we, we saw Draymond who, you know, in this game, and I know that that season Draymond was a lot better offensively than what we watched tonight in that game. But this game did it, it did look like 
2021-2022 version of Draymond, where he's completely neutralized on offense. Uh, but defensively, he's still an all-timer. By the way, um, I forgot before this game started, this was the I am a robot. I am not a robot game uh, in the locker room. This the game was the where game. he tried to fight Steve Kerr? Yeah. <laughs> he might have. He might have punched Steve Kerr, uh, MJ style. I, I totally forgot about that. And and this was a game where I think uh, uh, Draymond kind of showed, as you kept saying, that he's completely locked in regardless of the surroundings of what happened. And he was gr- he was elite defensively uh, uh, throughout the second half. Even though, even though it was a, uh, it's a pretty big story uh, that Draymond was kind of acting the way he did, right? This was kind of the start, I think, of of I feel like, what, yeah, yeah. I was gonna be like, I feel like it's the peak Draymond thing. He he um, he gets into it with his coaches. Um, he does stuff that, like in general, you'd be like, dude, you know, like fuck that guy, right? But then he has the ability to put it behind him and lock in. And I just, like, I don't know how many players can do that. I I just don't know how many people in any walk of life have the ability to, like, lock in and move beyond that. Like, you and I get in a fight, and I tell you I hate you, and then I, like, lock in to making sure everything about, like, our our LSC goes well beyond that. Like, you know, it's it's a – God, that's a – dorky analogy and a terrible analogy <laughs> but like you know what i'm saying like it's it's uh it's very unique to find someone who can be that emotional and that like in your face and still lock in right afterwards and it doesn't matter i i think um we started to learn i mean not not just that season obviously this pro season before where they were down 2-1 twice but just how mentally tough the warriors are um, it is not, it is not something that I think you can quantify. I think we we literally just watched Russell Westbrook uh, melt down in the second half. This game went three for seventeen. Shout out to Kyle Madsen who pulled that stat. Three for seventeen uh, in the second half. It, it is not anything that I think people understand how tough these guys are. Not just Draymond, but Steph and Clay, those three guys, and obviously Andre Iguodala who made two big free throws down the stretch. How tough those guys are versus I think. Just because because anybody could be as talented, I think, physically as, as Draymond is, and you could shoot as nice as Clay and you could be as athletic as Andre back in the day. But the toughness, I think, of those guys to be in these environments and consistently win. We, well, last week we watched them do it in 2019. That's championship stuff. And I think we don't see that in any other team. Right. There's really no other team in how long, Sam, maybe since the Spurs. That, that have done this consistently, that's tough enough to go in these environments repeatedly every season, every postseason, and pull this out. Like, we're watching the Brooklyn Nets. They go in, they fall apart, right? We see LeBron jump from team to team every single season. We watch James Harden do it every single season. We watch Russell Westbrook do it every single season. Those guys are good players. Those guys are great players. But it's different to be that mentally tough. And that's that's a testament to those three guys, those four guys, to do it every year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it deserves to be called out. Like the the most fun part with watching these rewatches, and you guys should join us in the process. But um, <laughs> is just kind of like putting into context how many iconic moments this team has had. Ooh, and it, it's a lot. Yeah, of fun. that's a good one. So it's that's a, a good one. It's a lot of fun to watch. I want to open this to callers earlier than ever. So 
I also want to call out some other news items in mm. Warriors land. So Steve Kerr traveling through Europe. Do you see Steve at Liverpool practice? Oh, my God. What did he do now? I didn't do anything different, but I'm just asking you. Did you see him? With Mo Salah? He shows up at Liverpool practice, and Mo Salah, the star of Liverpool, neither scores nor assists in a game they win by nine. I mean, he literally talked Mo Salah into being a gravity player. <laughs> just, I, I got to respect it. Tip of the cap. The legend. <laughs> do you think Steve watches soccer? I think uh, – I th- actually, I do think he does. I think he's uh, – <laughs> I think he's – so unsourced opinion. I think he's one of those guys who, like, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, but I'm kind of, like, into the vibe, like that kind of fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see it? Good for do Steve. you see it? Like, Good for Steve. Do you see it? No. Do you see my theory right here where I'm, like, He's not a he's not a big time soccer guy, but he's kind of into it a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. I, I I have a hard time believing that he's a big time soccer guy, but I I totally I totally because you know what you know what Steve does, and I think Kyle Shanahan does a little bit of this. I think those guys fancy themselves as being uh, the smartest people in the room. I think part of that is them telling you that they're the smartest people in the room, and uh, they do that by saying, "Ooh." here I, I understand soccer here's how soccer is going to work here's how str- the more i understand and learn about the strategy of soccer how can i pull that into basketball right uh, they're going to do this whole thing where it's like we're going to do analogies we're going to because this team does it this way oh we can be like liverpool i don't even know what liverpool is we can be like arsenal that's that's the other team i know right we yes can, yes can- <laughs> this is this is where I'm going with it. Yeah, exactly. It's the um, it's not it's not particularly about the soccer team as much as it is about the vibe. Yeah, yeah. I could totally so see those guys doing that, which is not really a knock, but you kind of get what they get. You know that type of guy to see that where, where it's coming from. So shout out Steve Kerr, shout out Kyle Shanahan. Those guys are gonna give us content because the because our baseball teams cannot. So shout out to those two guys that giving us content throughout the next nine months. Kerr, Steve Kerr. Steve, somebody somebody mentioned his podcast. He had a podcast. Yeah, I guess he had one with Pete Carroll, right? Uh, that that was that was what for a mi- for a minute. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. Just classic, just classic. We're we're gonna do the whole football thing, and then Pete Carroll's gonna do the whole like we play music at our practice. That's that's what the Warriors do, right? We play music at our practice. Anyway, I think it's cool. Uh, which go, by the way, going back to this game tonight, uh, a lot of interesting offensive sets for the Warriors. A lot of post-ups, a lot of mid-post uh, ISOs for the Warriors. Lots a, lot of Harry B, a lot of Harry B. Creature on shot in the mid-post. <laughs> a, a lot of Clay Thompson post-ups. But, you know, all that was uh, – it, it just shows, like you were saying, it just shows kind of how much offensively the load was on Stephen Clay. And those guys pulled it off because they are the greatest shooters of all time, of all time. And it's not even close. And they are the, the greatest clutch shooters of all time. And it's not close either. So crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's get let's get the football point right now. I want to ask you okay. a question. How excited are you about football season right now? <sighs> Look, man. I'm excited. I'm a little I'm a little wary because the Jimmy G stuff is kind of annoying to listen to. And I and I and I don't want to watch every single football game thinking, is Kyle Shanahan gonna put Jimmy G here? Is he gonna 
is if if Trey struggles through two games, is Jimmy G gonna start Game Three? Like, I really don't. Like, I think it's like a cloud hanging over my head watching these Niners this season. So yes, I'm very excited. I think they have a great team, but at the same time, the conversation and the fact that I'm sitting here scared every it's like if I'm it's like if I'm an opponent watching Steph every second I'm like. Oh shit! Is Steph going to make three threes in a row? Is he going to hit a double bang three from thirty five feet away? It's I'm sitting here and I just know Kyle sit sitting there thinking, well, if I put Jimmy, I know I'm going to get. You know, I'm going to win ten games. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's sitting there like, you know, I got oh, back, I, I, back I, and win I, ten I, games. I, with him. Finally, I finally understand how deep in your own head you are about this whole situation. I'm broken. I'm broken. Uh, you want you just want the clean. You want the clean situation i'll i'll live or i'll die with uh trey you know well trey look if, if trey is going to be bad then you win eight nine games with him so be it he's going to be better next season but i think kyle is doing this thing where he's you know we're go- i know what i can get with jimmy i can win 10 11 games so i'm gonna keep him on the team and i'm gonna and, and i'm not fully bonded on trey it's like what's the point What's the point? If Trey's hurt, you're screwed. Any, I don't know, man. I I just don't want to watch. I'm good off watching Jimmy, man. If, you, if he's gonna win ten, if he's gonna win ten games for you, and you make it to the playoffs, and you lose in the second round, what was the point? Like, what what was the point of that? You know, you're not winning the Super Bowl, so what's the point? Just give the keys to Trey and let him play 17 without the bullshit. You know, kind of cloud hanging over everyone. That's my point. Uh-huh. I think the Jimmy uh-huh. stuff. I, it's me on my soapbox. I think the Jimmy stuff has kind of ruined the start of the season for me. But we'll see. We'll see. I move to the callers. Let's get some goons up here. Omar, what's up, bro? What's up, guys? Thanks for thanks for hosting the show. Didn't have much to do. Pulled up some hookah and you know, <laughs> got the game seven. Tell me you. Tell me you enjoyed. Tell me you enjoyed the game. I love the game. I mean, in ways that were different than I expected, where um, it was kind of a clunky game in many ways. Like, there were some brilliant moments, but it's really funny looking back at 2016 and, you know, how basketball was played. And, like, you guys were talking about it, all these random post-ups. I think games with OKC were particularly physical. There was, like, such a weird lack of spacing, you know, compared to today. Even on the Warriors, where we had Stephen Clay. Um, you just had, I mean, we had like Anderson Berger running, like just holding the ball up high and like looking for people to pass the cutters and like, you know, fumbling passes. It was just, it was just a bizarre thing to watch, but I, I really enjoyed it for sure. Um, I have a couple of takes. Uh, first thing, like, you know, everybody's giving Steph his flowers now, like six years later, but I mean, you watch that version of Steph last year's version, the one like you know, the 2021 solo version, it's not the same. Like that Steph was just, just a menace. And like the things he could do, the way beyond like the efficiency, just the way he played, the way he moved, the quickness, that's just the most dangerous offensive player ever, for sure. And the other piece, like I really enjoyed, um, like just seeing Draymond in terms of, you know, just watching him jump like me, uh, Steven Adams at the apex of his, like, you know, when he's about to go for a dunk and Draymond just gets up in there and blocks. It's impressive to see, like, how athletic he was, even though he was kind of ass in this game offensively. And the, the last point was um, just how ugly our offense was, apart from, you know, Stephen Clay kind of bombing from three sometimes. I never Dude, subscribed it's... to the theory that we we needed KD, but, like, 
my only my only response to that where i could give that theory some credence was like man if we didn't have kd and we were running in the modern nba with you know that type of offense like in the following years i don't know like um i think i mean the team is definitely smarter and like recruits better right now but it just shows you like how different the nba was and we kind of got to smooth over that with like just having this elite offensive team afterwards yeah omar i'm with you because like I was aware that they were lacking offensive options, but sometimes rewatching it like reminds you how much the offense was just Igadala or Bogut waiting for Steph to run off of three screens. And it's kind of wild to watch it. Yeah, like how are we putting up crazy numbers with that all the time? It's I mean, it speaks out great Steph and Clay were, but like every single I get the skepticism around the Warriors to an extent because that shit always looks impossible. Like, how do you keep doing that and get? That's all. That's all. That's all they had going for them. And yeah, exactly. I, I that's that was my takeaway too. Rewatching it, I'm like, I, I get why people are a little bit skeptical. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's all for me. Like, thanks for. I, last thing, actually. Like, I mean, this is the first season coming up now where we're gonna have those core three guys actually playing a regular season as the the leaders of the team together in what like six years. So that's pretty special, and it's not going to be 2016, but I'm looking forward to that. Omar, appreciate you as always. Won't it be 2016? <laughs> Maybe. Nah, now you just you just be a troll, man. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. All right, all right. Should we get the should we get the legend up here? Mikas? Uh, what's what's Mika's want? What does he want? Hey boys, how we doing tonight? Uh, look at you. Sound tired. Uh, yeah, it was it was a long shift, but you know, I, as soon as I got off, I had to watch the uh, the last five minutes catch the. Overtime. Love it. I remember where I was vividly. I was in a Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, <laughs> watching this with my best friend from back home, who I always watched Warriors games with. But I, it was my first year in college. So I was home for we had an early spring break, and uh, it was the first time we'd watched a game together since Game Six when they won in 2015. So mm-hmm. it was a very like it's a very for me it's a very special game and honestly one of my my favorite basketball games ever. I have a question for you. Two. I've got two questions, but the first one, what game is more memorable in the lore of the NBA and the history of the NBA? Game three of the 2017 finals or this game? Mm. Which one do you think people will remember and like reference 10, 20 years? This game. More? This game. Sam? You know the answer. So, is, <laughs> so is, is, Kevin, is Kevin Durant the only top 10 player where the most memorable game of their career is coming in a loss? I'm just wondering because because the most memorable game of KD's career would be that game three. But I think that, you know, I think we're going to remember KD getting punked by Steph hitting a 35 footer in overtime more. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just I'm just wondering. I'm just asking out loud. Like, I, I don't think it's crazy to ask this question. Is uh, is KD's memo- KD's most memorable game would be is that game three, game three. That's his best game ever. But best no, game ever he, he rises over LeBron with 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 a minute left on the new team. He cements the finals. That's got to be the one, like for him personally. But the game that he is a part of that will be the most remembered ever, I think, is this game. Is this game, which is going to be in a loss where he fouls out, and the other person who he shares a team with later puts thirty five footer. You know, <laughs> Look, I'm not, I know where you're trying to go. I'm just, Look, I'm, just, I'm just asking. I'm just. I'm asking. putting it. I'm putting it up there. I I don't want to agree with Mikas, but he is correct. Katie's mm. career is going to be defined by being a loser. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and I got one, I got one more. I do got one more. Okay. Of the five main rivalries that the Warriors experienced on the Western Conference side in the title run, I would define those as the Clippers, the Thunder, the um, the Rockets, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies. Where does the OKC one fit in terms of like most enjoyable to watch, most exciting, the one that you were like looking forward to the most? Because I think my take is the Rockets were the one that always had me the most excited, and I actually think the Thunder might be a little lower on. I might I might take Grizzlies and I might take Clippers. I might even take Portland because I love watching Steph Punk the Blazers. <laughs> Obviously, the OKC the OKC games were like better basketball than like the Blazers series. But I love watching the Warriors go up against the Blazers. The Memphis is really fun. I might take OKC as like the fifth best of uh, the I did, rivalries. I did, so well, I, that's because they were the best first team. Off, that's why. First off, I appreciate this is actually an amazing question. But um, I try. I always try and bring it, guys. Come on. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for hosting us. You guys have you because guys, we, we <laughs> love you. Go you know we love you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Bacus. Get some sleep, man. So. I think so. Here's where I'm at. I'm gonna go first because I've been thinking about this. One, Houston is the biggest rival. Um, they're just more games, share more volume, bad, bad blood. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to OKC number two. Um, I, I I have a hard time going with Portland. I don't actually view it as a real rival. So the real question becomes: Are you going OKC or are you going uh, Clippers? with Chris Paul and that whole situation. And I think about it and I just never thought the Clippers were that scary. Whereas like OKC was always, it just felt more electric to me. It felt more um, meaningful to me. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with that. And I guess I'm taking Cleveland out of this because we're going to the West. So I, I, so Houston's one all volume and, and, and bad blood and and the games were actually amazing and the series they were down three two and those that get that they went to seven and six so like those were great series and it happened multiple times uh okc's gotta be second the thing with okc is it should have been first uh at least that's what people say uh because of kd state they would have played again and then they would have played again and then they would have played again and so that that is a series that had the potential to be an all-time rivalry Uh, but it's two just off of that one great series that they played uh, Portland three because they've played each other a lot. Uh, actually, no, sorry. Portland four, they played each other a lot. Five is Clippers because I just don't feel like they played each other enough. Three is the Grizzlies because I think that one goes across two eras. So you can count the grit and grind Grizzlies, and that which was great. They were down two one, and then you can count the John Morant Grizzlies, which is a budding rivalry. They're going to play each other again. So I think that's three, but I think Grizz Memphis has a chance to be two. Benefits if they beat the Warriors, they have a chance to be the best rivalry. So I, I think that's where let my me, five let me is. Re, yeah. Let me restate this. All right. What does Memphis need to do to challenge the Thunder and the Rockets as the number one Warriors rivals? Win. That that's that, the Warriors <laughs> have, so, ne- the so, Warriors have never lost. <laughs> it's a, it's so simple, but like I you, I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> well, like the Warriors have never lost at any of this years, but let's say, look, the Warriors are getting older, so they they only have a finite amount of playoff series that they can play, right? In, in but theory. let's say the Warriors, in, the, in the, but let's say the Warriors win, they lose to Memphis this season, they win next season. I mean, I don't want that to happen, but that is a great rivalry, right? Then you, then now it's two one. Um, so I think that's. 
that's where they've got a chance to do that. And you and I both felt that Memphis was was the toughest team. One of well, not the toughest, but they were a tough matchup in the West. Probably the toughest in the West this season. So um, I don't know. Who knows what that's going to look like next season? Memphis is kind of a mess right now. Uh, but we'll see. But I think that's where it's like they've got the potential to do that. Uh, I want to go back on the KD thing. One thing before we kind of keep it moving here. I I think the gripe with KD is where Mikas was getting at. I think if you're not a Warriors fan, I think the gripe with KD is that you're a great player. I wouldn't say he's top 10. I wouldn't even say he's top 15. But you're a top 20 basketball player of all time. What is that defining moment? And when we talk about defining moments, we want to see a player that has fallen, failed, and then rise up and succeed. We've seen that with Steph. We've seen that with LeBron. Hilariously enough, enough, both guys did it in Boston. I would say Steph has done it previously before too. But I think with those two guys, those are the generational talents of the last decade. You've seen them fail. You've seen them come back and do that. With KD, if you were a a critic, right, you would say he has not done that yet, right? Can he do that in Brooklyn next season? I mean, that would be a cool story if they were winning, if they were to win the finals after next season. But isn't that that moment? So I would argue, like, he doesn't have that moment because in that game three, they were up 2-0. The Warriors were up 2-0. They lose that game. They still win the series. So I, I guess that's the argument for me. Anyway, that's why. No offense to kids. Argu- I mean, I don't disagree with you. The argument is basically like, just do it. You know? Give me, <laughs> give me a moment. Give me a moment when you're stuck in some form of duress where you carry the team out. Like, huh? he's yeah. top five talent, but, like, I just want to see him, I just want to do it. It's not oh, happening. Thanks. His foot was on the line. <laughs> His foot was on the line against Milwaukee. No comment. No comment, my friend. Um, <laughs> oh man, um, we are we are yeah. three weeks away from camp. I want to ask you this: what are what are the top three things you're looking forward to with the Warriors training camp? Because we're getting painfully close to Warrior season, and you and I both know. For players like Steph Curry, nothing matters until the spring. But for players like Jonathan Kuminga, you got a long season. The only, the three things that that matter, and, and are we talking about on the court or off the court? Because I can talk about contracts all day. All right, let's go. Let's go on the court right now. All right. We'll talk contracts later. Everything that everything to me that matters is is the young, the young kids. And if you want to go three, I'll give you one, two, three. Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody. That's the three. Like, where are they? Where are they? Because, you know, you get Dante DiVincenzo, cool, solid vet. You got Clay coming back from injury, Steph, Jeremy, you know, like those guys, we know what we're going to get from those, all those guys. It's pretty obvious. This is a veteran team. But what are we going to get from the three young kids that are essentially just in their second year for Wiseman, maybe even his first year as a professional basketball player? The Warriors are going to need those guys, not all of them to be great, but they're going to need at least one of them to be very good. Uh, and, and to me, that's that's probably going to be Moses Moody. That's going to be consistent and good. So of the other two guys, which one of those guys is ready to play actual winning basketball in the regular season? And we don't know that answer. We, we don't until we see that in training camp. Actually, probably not even in training camp, but in the regular season. But training camp is going to tell you a lot. 
because I think the Warriors are going to tell you which ones are going to look good in training camp, right? So I think they're they're practicing now, they're doing all that work now, but uh, it, it's in, it's going to be interesting to see which one of those three guys are going to be ready to play. Because uh, of right now, if I had to make a bet, Sam, I would bet on Moses Moody to be ready to play, and I don't think the other two are not consistently in the regular season. But we'll see because it's a long time between what happened in the finals versus now. So they should have gotten a lot better in theory. First off, I'm with you. I think Moses Moody is going to be better than people think immediately in the in the NBA regular season. But I'm, I'm also interested in the same topic. I feel like the fun of this regular season is going to be the two timeline plans. Um, I think Steph, Clay, those guys, I trust them to stay ready, but I'm curious to see what the young guys will do. I think, I think it's a very fun position for the Warriors, honestly. It, it's one of the most exciting, I think, regular seasons because when we watched, when we watched 17, 18, it wasn't exciting. 18, 19, it wasn't exciting. Uh, and then obviously the few seasons after that, it wasn't exciting. Kelly Oubre, Baysmore season, that's what I call it. Eh, it's more like grueling than exciting, uh, even though Steph had a great season. And then last regular season was pretty exciting, I, I would say, right? Like that was there was a lot of uncertainty. It was it was pretty great. I mean, this season is a little different, right? Now we know that the Warriors are a real contender, um, but it's also you can't just ride Steph Clay and Draymond for seventy plus games. I think you're putting yourself in trouble. They've put themselves in the position where you need those young guys to be good. Because if you, because they, they technically, they could play those guys 70 plus games. Guess what? <laughs> they're going to get hurt in the postseason. They're going to be too tired by then, right? So for me, it's you put those guys on the Spurs game plan, right? On the rest plan that those guys were in t- five, 10 years ago. But that also forces you to have those young kids play better so you can win basketball games in the regular season. And uh, that that's, it's like, you know how we were so excited for Patrick McCall when the Warriors drafted him and Jordan Bell and those guys? You know, it was like exciting to root for young guys because we know with Steph, KD, all those guys, we're like, okay, okay, that's that's a 60-win team. They're going to win the championship. But it's cool to see young blood. Now with these Warriors, like you said with the two timelines thing, it's like, well, they don't have a Patrick McCall because he's a second-round talent. They have first-round talents. They have three lottery talents on the team, three of them. So it's it's not a – Oh, if Patrick McCall and Jordan Bell give us something, that's great. Now it's actually these three guys are good enough to give us actual value as as great as as very good role players. Can they do it? That's pretty exciting. It's a lot I of agree with you. It's a, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I, I want to say we we should probably call it right here. We will be back next week. We can get more into this as we go forward. I I'm, I'm just part of me is wondering. Should we should we draw this out a little bit? Should we should we let that suspense build a little bit, Andy? <laughs> I don't know. I just around. We got we got we got a little time here. We got a little time. We're three weeks away from the start of NBA camp, and at the same time, as I agree with everything you're saying, and I'm curious about it. I'm wondering, is this the moment to get into it, or should we, should oh, we boy. stick this in? Should oh, we boy. stick this in people's minds? Let them lead. I don't even know what you're referring to, but now I want to know. I'm sure if you say it, I know what it is. <laughs> now, now, I don't even know what you're referring to, but now it's like, what are, what are we talking about here? All right. Well, I appreciate it, everyone. We'll be back next week. <laughs>